there's no doubt that the old politics of the two-party system is now gone and over. I don't need lectures from you or anybody on, on the Sinn Féin side of the house. We're very reluctant to kind of say what's red lines, but, but we do have to take climate seriously. There's going to be constant criticism, there's going to be a lot of disappointment, and whoever goes into government is going to be unpopular. Okay. Hello and you're very welcome to the Your Politics podcast from RTE News. This is David Murphy and I'm joined in studio by our political correspondent, Michal Lahan. Michal, how are you? Good, good. And we're also delighted to be joined by Breed Smith of People Before Profit. Breed, good afternoon to you. How are you keeping? I'm good, uh, David. Thanks for having me. Oh, you're very welcome. Uh, Michal, we might start this week um, with a little bit about the Taoiseach. He was asked about rashers in the Doyle of all things. What rashers and a fear that Matthew McGrath expressed that Michal Martin may not have rashers for his breakfast roll very soon if he didn't uh, do far more for the pig farmers who were protesting uh, during the week outside the Department of Agriculture. There has been a financial package put in place already to try and offset the rising costs of producing pork. But uh, the view among the pig farmers and indeed Matty McGrath, the rural independence, is that it has to be substantially more. Uh, and when he did issue this kind of dire warning about the breakfast roll, something that you wouldn't really associate with Michal Martin, more healthy eating kind of person, it seems uh, he thought that Hishak was laughing uh, and accused him of mockery. Uh, but but Michal Martin, he intervened quickly and said, I actually said we should have a rasher uh, with our poached egg or the poached egg with a rasher. So, I mean, it really does clarify that matter that he <laughs> believes in rashers uh, with poached eggs. We might all laugh at it all, but underneath it, I guess there's a bit of a serious message. In fact, not just a bit of a serious message, but um, it's quite a substantial issue that the pig, pig farmers are losing money hand over fist. They're protesting all the time. They're saying that their inputs like diesel, animal feed, um, they're going up in price all the time. They're in real trouble. And it kind of signifies a larger problem in agriculture, doesn't it? It does. That's clear. And as well as that, though, it does show the sensitivity around these issues when it comes to politicians. I mean, Michal Martin finally kind of adding to that, saying, I'm serious, I believe in a good ration for breakfast. Of course, there was the incident some years back where Leo Varadkar said he was eating less beef. So politicians, when it comes to, to food and food produced in Ireland, uh, have to say that they consume it all. That's the important political message. Leo Varadkar's remark didn't go down very well with the farming community. Many of them were quite upset with him for yeah. suggesting he's going to cut down on red meat. There was ructions, yeah. He was putting a pitch to, to the more green uh, possible voters at the time. But uh, Martin Hayden, who is a beef farmer, of course, and now a junior minister at agriculture, intervened quickly and clarified that later that night the Taoiseach at the time uh, did have a steak when it was part of a Fine Gael gathering. But I suppose... So, I see he moved to save his bacon, did he? Very good. Yeah, well... <laughs> So on the wider question, though, and I think this is something that came up in the Dáil as well today, it isn't just an energy crisis and rising energy costs. Food costs are rising as well, which all creates a serious, serious uh, difficulty for households up and down the country because it's coming on those two fronts. Breed, it is quite a serious issue that's facing agriculture in many respects. It's And it's not just pig farmers, but it's much broader than that. They're at the sharp end of these rising energy prices and the difficulties that have been created right across all sorts of markets and creating huge headaches for farmers. Yeah, just a little aside before I take the, the serious question on, because I'm reminded there about pig farming. 
um, a number of years ago, it's probably over a decade ago, when the film Babe was almost banned to de- defend the pig uh, pig farming industry by a TD who was involved in it. Do you remember that? Yeah, okay. O'Keefe, yeah. yeah. O'Keefe, yeah. 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 yeah, he wanted the film Babe uh, banned. If people don't know, Babe was a, a very nice little film about where a, a baby pig takes on a, a human aspect and farmers all look after him and all that. But... Um, on the wider question, I had a meeting earlier this week with a quite a group, maybe a dozen or more farmers from scattered around the country who would be smaller family farmers but have a huge interest in sustainability, climate change and alternative means of food production. And they're all very, very worried about, first of all, not just the prices and the price hikes and their inability to cope with it, but also the potential for food shortages in this country and the fact that we are growing far more cattle than we're able to cope with. Uh, It's probably true of pigs as well. I'm not sure about that part of the industry because there's no pig farmers in the meeting. But uh, they want to see a more sustainable type of agriculture, more forestry, more grown vegetables, more grown grain, the way we used to live. And and I think there's a huge amount of um, farmers who are beginning to think more like that, not just because of climate, but because it's such a difficult life for them as well to make ends meet. Calves are being sold now at a fiver each. They're just not able to make the prices. And then the farm to fork strategy, which involves... In it, uh, companies like Tesco and all making decisions for our food policy means that they're getting less and less from the retailer. So I think we need to re-look at food, food production um, and our whole attitude towards it. And and that includes Tishi or, or, or anybody else tarnished as being able to say, I'm eating less red meat. I don't like rashers. That's a fair enough uh, point of view to have, to be able to say those things freely without causing political storm. Now, part of the problem that the farmers face is higher energy prices, but it's not just farmers, it's right across Across the community. In terms of you holding clinics, what have people been saying to you on the ground? Well, I think that this could be an issue that will bring people back onto the streets in big numbers again. And uh, uh, older people who are relying on a minimum pension, um, a lot of people on social protection, but also, and they kind of go under the radar as low paid workers. And we have a huge level of uh, low pay and that type of hospitality service industry work in this country. But they don't fall into categories where, you know, that they're, they're, they're getting fuel allowance or that they're receiving social protection so that they'll come under the radar of the government for special attention. So I think it's very widespread, the difficulties people are having. You know, we've heard all the, the stuff about having to turn off the heating in order to feed the kids or buy, buy a hot, make a hot meal for oneself if you're a pensioner or, or a couple of pensioners. And there's also the question of transport and getting around the place and being able to afford the rising costs of food. People are seeing an extra 20, 25 euro a week in their food expenditure as well as all the bills coming at them uh, increased uh, hugely over the last few months. And then rents are not easy to afford either. And an awful lot of people I deal with are, are renters. They're not house owners. Michal, at the moment, we can see every day in the Doyle the government is coming under more and more pressure, particularly on energy prices. Yesterday, we saw a huge increase in prices announced by Electric Ireland, the subsidiary of the ESB. They announced a 23% rise on electricity, 24% rise on gas prices. What is the response to the government on this? Yeah, the government 
have been saying up until recently that there will be further measures, but in recent times, the message has become somewhat slightly altered. They're talking about that they can't come in every week with measures and they can only cushion the blow so much. So it seems that there may be possibly three steps in this. One is what Eamon Ryan was talking about in the Dáil today, about trying to find efficiencies, as he put it, things like time of day pricing, where all Everyone, every household will be put on a rate where there would be a period of the day, most likely at night, where electricity would be cheaper. That, that You wouldn't have to opt into that. That is the way your bill would automatically work. That could be the first thing. Also a suggestion and an indication that it could happen, that the kind of more favourable rates that are offered to people when they sign up to an energy company, that that could be passed on to everyone. So everyone will be on the same rate. Then the next step after that looks seems to centre on what's going to happen at the European Commission level around possible cuts are allowing cuts to VAT on energy bills. It seems there won't be anything solid on that though till the end of the month, possibly into early May. And then the next move, the, the longer term thing, does it go as far as the budget or is that something that wouldn't be politically sustainable? But it does seem to focus on extending the criteria around the eligibility for the fuel allowance and also looking at increased payments in the social protection area, particularly for families with children. One interesting aspect of all of this is, on the one hand, they're trying to bring down costs for consumers. But on another hand, there's a cost that is going to be going up in terms of energy prices in May with the carbon tax. Yeah, it does seem, despite maybe some unease on the Fine Gael maybe and Fianna Fáil backbenches, uh, that that is a point and it's something that is written solidly into the programme for government. Uh, that is something that when it comes to maintaining government relations isn't going to be jeopardised at the higher echelons of government. It's the three people who meet every Monday night. Uh, I don't think that is possibly going to be a point of discussion. But if you do look at the timing around the European Commission decision on VAT and possible cuts uh, to energy bills on VAT, perhaps they kick in around the same time, the 1st of May, the end of April. So, those moves, one could cancel out the other potentially. So, Breed, if we look at it in terms of the government, if they're looking at VAT, they're looking at a change in terms of the tariff, potentially in terms of the time of day, and then maybe changing the pricing structure so all consumers could benefit from the lower cost options which are offered to new customers of energy companies. If they were able to get all three of those over the line, do you think it would be enough for consumers? Well, I mean, Michal has pointed out that you, we may be looking at the end of April, early May. That's a long time away when you're drowning in debt and a lot of people are. So I don't think that that'll be good enough. I think we need quicker, faster, more decisive moves. I mean, one of the things, and, and, and uh, Richard Boy Barrett in particular is always banging on about it in the doll, and that is the question of profits of these companies. Simultaneously, as they're pushing up the prices, their profits are also increasing. Now, that's a conundrum that the government should try and resolve. And one thing that you never hear the government doing is talking about putting a solidarity tax or some form of a profit tax on the companies who are doing Lana Walia from it. So I think that that should be something we look at. I think couldn't have that. I mean, I don't understand why the European Commission have to take a whole month to make that decision. It's not that long ago Michal Martin was in Europe getting us all excited about the potential cut in VAT rates uh, on, on energy. But this has been dragged out and it's going to make people very dis, you know, discombobulated, very 
angry and that's why I say I think uh, the cost of living crisis which spills over into everything you know medicines are going up food is going up fares are going up petrol's going up people are just drowning in it and I think it will be something that will mobilise the population again um, but I, I do think you know you said there Michal that there's certain things that are solidly in the programme for government I think it was the question of the carbon, carbon tax. tax okay it's interesting that that's solidly in the programme for government when it really appears like the commitment not to have LNGs is fluid in the programme for government. LNG is what? Just explain that to uh, Liquefied natural gas terminals. And what's the big deal about that? Well, first and foremost, liquefied, na- first and foremost, it's, it's a fossil fuel and there has to be a commitment and is a commitment under the climate plan and generally in, in climate science that we must keep 80% of all known fossil fuels in the ground. But in America and other countries, in the Middle East and all, they're increasingly fracking and extracting, by other means, natural gas from the earth. And um, they they carry out a chemical reaction to it so that it's put it's it's brought right down and then they can export it easily and then when you build a liquefied natural gas terminal outside the shores of your country you can re, 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 redo the chemical interaction so you have gas flowing in from a terminal located and famously Shannon were waiting for uh, planning uh, outcomes from Board Planola on the application for Shannon which would be huge. And this is a, an issue for the government isn't it Mihol? They're constantly being asked about this facility which is planned for County Kerry and there have been a lot of questions asked about the government. Are they for this or are they against it? What exactly is going on there? Yeah, on the on the banks, uh, on the Shannon Estuary in, in North Kerry, there is that plan for that, that LNG plant, which is with Board Planola at the moment and the government position is and, and that's in the programme for government as well. It's not in favour of LNG there, but it is a matter for the planners. But I think... This week was interesting on that front because that was the kind of clear enough statement from the Thánaiste in that kind of infamous spat with Michael Healy Ray last week in the Dáil, now infamous for other reasons. But the regulator was speaking before a committee uh, this week uh, and in an exchange with the, the Green Party TD, Brian Ledden, said there has to be a debate around LNG and that is just an imperative. He said if it comes to security of energy, you need a debate. So suddenly now... At an official level, things aren't quite as clear, it seems. And then later in the Dáil on Tuesday, the Taoiseach, when asked about energy supply and energy security at a European level, spoke about the focus now turning to LNG, but he was referencing that in the context of Europe. But suddenly what seemed an absolute position and at the time of the negotiation for the programme for government looks a little bit more nuanced now. But by n- more nuanced, really what's going on is the Green Party are dead set against this. And perhaps the position of Fine Fáil and Fine Gael is open to persuasion now that there's a major issue in terms of the supply of gas and also in terms of gas storage as well. Exactly. And if it does have the regulator saying there needs to be a debate, well, I think that the political discussion on that then is likely to intensify in the period ahead. And of course, all the while, Board Planola are there to to make that ultimate decision. Okay, the backdrop to this, obviously, is all Ukraine, what's happening there. And this week in the Doyle breed, your party had a motion before the Doyle regarding neutrality. In simple terms, what exactly did that motion say? In simple terms, it said that we need a referendum across the country uh, to engage 
the population in a discussion around whether we make alliances, military alliances with uh, forces in, in either Europe or NATO. Um, and then at the end of that discussion, people would have a vote and that in the, the, the outcome of that would be that neutrality, i.e. that we don't engage in military alliances, would be enshrined in the constitution. Um, now, and would that it, but prevent, that's, that's would, only if people vote for that, Would of that course. prevent the government doing what it has done recently, which is to give some form of aid to Ukraine in terms of its um, military defence, in terms of supplying them with fuel, as they did, in terms of supplying them with medications for their armed forces, as they did. Would it prevent that kind of thing from happening? I, I definitely think it would prevent them supplying and, and supporting hardware, armaments, supporting any um, supply of armaments, etc. But when you say medication and uh, fuel, you see, the one of the things the government keep telling us, oh, you would shut down debate, you would stop this happening, that's happening. We are in favour of uh, absolutely giving humanitarian, diplomatic and, 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 and financial support to, to anybody who's uh, struggling uh, because of, uh, you know, war or oppression or countries invading them. But we will consistently make the point that we cannot be selective on this. We have to be ready and willing to help the Yemen to help people in Afghanistan uh, in the same manner. But the, if you allow this, if, if they had have allowed this vote to go through, there are committee stages at which amendments could be brought in to legally tweak what they see as a problem. What we did want to prevent, and it was included in how we wrote the, the motion or wrote the bill, was the, the use of Shannon as a stopover for uh, engagement in wars in the Middle East and Afghanistan and beyond, as we've done for the last what, decade to 15 years? So we do want to stop that. Michal, the government voted the motion by people for profit, Breed and her colleagues, they voted that down. What exactly is the government position on this? Yeah, in relation to the motion itself, they said it would impair the response uh, to what was happening in Ukraine. And they also said that, and this seems to be the consistent message now, that there will have to be a debate around uh, the neutrality question, but in the aftermath and uh, when things uh, are far more settled in the aftermath of what happens in, in Ukraine. And I suppose the government does seem to already be indicating that would take place at a citizens' assembly. Another citizens' assembly. Another citizens' assembly. But at the same time... Favourite mechanism by government to deal with things. With controversial issues in particular, but many, nearly many, many issues now and not even particularly controversial ones, given that biodiversity is up for discussion and a Dublin mayor, it's relatively... And, and drugs are another one for... That, that's on the way, yeah. yeah. But but I suppose if that's the government position, then within Fine Gael, it seems to be that there that appetite uh, to try and uh, go much further than what is allowed at the moment, uh, even if it's not enshrined in the constitution, but what has evolved and the position nationally, there is a strong appetite in Fine Gael expressed by the Thonisht and also people like Charlie Flanagan, the former Minister for Foreign Affairs, who, who really want Ireland uh, to take steps towards getting involved uh, in military alliances, uh, not quite fully casting off all uh, vestiges of neutrality, but certainly going far further than the country does at the moment. Also on Ukraine, we got more information about what the government plan is going to be in terms of accommodating the people who are coming from Ukraine, the people who are fleeing war. What exactly is going on there, Michal? Yeah, it seems that there is a realisation within government that very soon, perhaps days or at most maybe in a week or two, that they are going to run out of the type of accommodation that they've been using up to now. 
uh, that is hotels, guest houses and whatever vacant properties they can find and that there is going to have to be short term emergency type accommodation, which they talk about, which is essentially people on camp beds in places like the Mill Street Arena in Cork and possibly in tents in the Department of Defence uh, barracks in Gormanstown, in County Meath. Now, assurances from government that that will be uh, very temporary and they'll move to, to address it as quickly as possible. But it it is based on the fact there's about 600 people a day coming here from Ukraine now and about three quarters of them need accommodation. Breed, on a separate matter entirely, um, tonight at midnight, we'll see the emergency powers which the government have to introduce restrictions to respond to the COVID-19 virus, those emergency powers are going to lapse and the government isn't going to uh, introduce any amendment into the House to extend them. At the same time, there are a lot of healthcare workers and a lot of healthcare professionals who are raising questions about the government policy on COVID-19 and saying more needs to be done to protect the health system, to protect workers in hospitals and also deal with the very large number of people on trolleys. Where's your party on this? Do you think we need to introduce more restrictions? Um, look, before they lifted the, the restrictions on mask wearing, and this is the, the, the echoing the call from the Irish Nurses and Midwives Organisation and indeed the bus workers unions and shop workers unions uh, for masking to be mandatory in closed, crowded in, in, indoor settings like public transport and shops. We actually uh, called, repeatedly called for please don't lift the uh, requirement for legal requirement for masking in these settings. Um, and they've kept it on for healthcare settings, but not for these other settings. Now the nurses are looking at the evidence, seeing the rising case number. Now there's pretty frightening the numbers, although none of us are getting as sick as we used to. There's not as many deaths, etc. But it is putting a pressure on the health service, and particularly with a lot of health workers, bus drivers, and shop workers are a lot of them out sick as well. So uh, we want to echo the call for masking up in uh, indoor settings as a legal requirement. And when you think about it, it is already a legal requirement for health settings. Why can't they just extend that to these two other uh, places, retail and public transport, where people gather and mix um, because they must uh, in large numbers? And whatever mechanism is going to be maintained to ensure that public health settings are mandatory, well, I hate that word mandatory, but there's a legal requirement for masking, extend that to shops and to public transport. Micheál, it doesn't look as if the government are actually going to move on this. It seems they're simply going to let those regulations expire and they're not going to introduce any further guidance in terms of mask wearing. Yeah, and I think there will be political pressure, though, at the very least to try and communicate uh, the message about the public health advice, that it is very strong advice to wear it in places like public transport and perhaps crowded indoor settings as well and and obviously healthcare settings. But the government seems to have, have made a calculation. Well, I suppose the key thing is that the chief medical officer hasn't told them to do it. And that is the key that they do, by and large, maybe sometimes after extensive enough discussions and a little unease, they do what they're told on that front. And that hasn't happened this time. And the calculation seems to be, given the rate of transmissibility, that it wouldn't make a difference to wear masks, even though that is disputed by by many scientists. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also uh, the fact that they think, given what happened in Denmark, that quite soon uh, that these numbers will begin to reduce significantly. 
and hopefully they will. I think as well, I think it's the unsaid, but, but, but I suspect within government there probably is a view that perhaps looking to the winter, there could well be a more serious variant. And at that point, they could be making their way back, asking for people uh, to do things or mandating people to do things uh, and that they would wait for that point to try and have public support on their side. And we have a, a kind of an odd situation now where there's no NEFID, this body which was all-powerful, giving serious advice to the government. That seems to have been stood down and there's talk about a replacement organisation. But in the meantime, the main linchpin providing advice to the government is Tony Holohan, who is, of course, going to be going to uh, Trinity College in July. Yes, uh, but he is still there and there is ongoing contact. So, I mean... Times have changed, but you do feel that when it comes to the winter, and it was, that was always a, in the thinking that that may be the more challenging period that you would have that new body, which will be a smaller a smaller group. But that doesn't seem to be uh, an absolute uh, uniform view on how it should be composed yet. OK, well, fingers crossed there'll be a good summer and there won't be too many problems with COVID-19. So that's it from us on the Your Politics podcast. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe and leave a review next Monday evening, we're going to be doing a special podcast from the from UCC with students from the Government and Politics Society with Dun O'Leary from Sinn Féin, James O'Connor from Fianna Fáil and Theresa Reedy of UCC. So please do give that a listen. In the meantime, take care. Mm-hmm.